Good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran on this second Sunday in Lent. Before we begin our worship, a few prayer requests and a few announcements to share. Uh, first, please keep the family of Leonard Tice in your prayers today and this week. Uh, Gary found out yesterday, you heard word that his brother Leonard had passed. Uh, so please keep that family in your prayers and of course keep Gary in your prayers um, as he as he's walking through his grief um, and significant grief right now uh, we also want to continue to pray for Marcel. Uh, she was transferred to Columbus last night uh, for further treatment uh, I believe at the James Hospital uh, so please keep her and Roger and, and their family in prayer uh, we also want to pray for Linda Cook, who's Laura Hunsinger's sister, who this past week had significant surgery for treatment of cancer. Uh, so please keep her in your prayers as well. Uh, Announcement-wise, a reminder that our midweek Lenten worship will continue on Wednesday at 7 with our soup supper uh, before that, starting at 6 o'clock. Uh, also, just a quick reminder of the insert in your bulletin for the Easter lilies. Uh, if you would like to order those lilies, it's due by March 19th. Uh, that seems like it would be far off, but it's really not. Uh, so if you, know, if you want lilies, please get those in soon so we know to order them. All right, are there any other prayer requests, um, announcements? Yeah, John. Uh, Mark Hirschberger. Okay, so Mark Hershberger. Hershberger, he's yeah. back in the hospital. Okay, keep Mark in our prayers. If there are no other requests, I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude. Thank you. 
congregation, please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are happy to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. O God, our leader and guide, in the waters of baptism you bring us to new birth to live as your children. Strengthen our faith in your promises that by your spirit we may lift up your life to all the world through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A reading from Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. The word of the Lord. We'll now read Psalm 121 responsively. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord will not let your foot be moved, nor will the one who watches over you fall asleep. The The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord will preserve you from all evil and will keep your life. The Lord will watch over your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. A reading from Romans. What are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to, no, but to one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and calls into existence the things that do not exist." 
The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, John chapter 3 is a central part of the Bible for us. All right, so much of John chapter 3 has shaped how we talk about God, how we talk about Christ, how we talk about our faith as Christians. This is where we encounter that well-known phrase, born again. This is where we're given the most famous verse in all the Bible for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. That's the verse we know. That's the verse we've seen on t-shirts, bumper stickers. We've seen it at football games and so forth. But I hope in all that familiarity, we don't miss the full picture of what Jesus tells Nicodemus. So walking through the dialogue, I think will help us to see what's going on. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that there is a problem. There's a problem Nicodemus does not know how to solve. And likewise, this is also true for us. 
there's a problem that we really don't know how to solve. The problem is figuring out what can I do to be part of the kingdom of God. That's a problem that's universal in humanity. I was listening to a podcast this week, and there was a commercial on the podcast for an app called Halo, the Halo app. And so Halo is a Catholic app uh, that will guide you through prayers, through devotional readings, through different meditations, uh, in line with the Catholic faith. Uh, most famously, I think Mark Wahlberg, the actor, is an investor in Halo. So it's become well-known uh, in recent years. But the commercial really struck me as I heard it. Uh, because first off, it sounded good. You know, here's an app that's going to help people pray, that's going to give them scripture readings and so forth. But this commercial uh, said something along the lines of, download the Hallow app this Lent. It will guide you in prayer, give you Catholic readings, and it will help your quest to be a better person. And that struck me, especially as a Lutheran, of course, that struck me, the quest to be a better person. Nicodemus, I think, would be a big fan of the Hallow app because when he comes to Jesus, he's looking for a way to have a better life. He's trying to make himself a better person. He comes to Jesus with this question, what can I do to be part of the kingdom of God? And so let's think through Nicodemus and his character and his problem. So we're told that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. That means he takes the Old Testament laws very seriously. He has the laws on his forehead, literally. He lives his life with the law in mind. That's his highest priority in life. And not only is he a Pharisee, a person who takes the law seriously, but we're told he's a leader of the Jews. He's a ruler of the Jewish people. And so this makes him a man of influence, a man in the spotlight. If he messes up and breaks the law, everyone's going to know it. If he doesn't keep the law, he'll be labeled a hypocrite. We also can guess that he's well-educated. He's cultured. He is a leader. He's a ruler. He has access to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Nicodemus is a man that seems to have it all together. He should have all the answers. He's the kind of man that we ascribe to be, we, want, we aspire to be. We want to be like Nicodemus, successful and educated, uh, someone who loves doing the right thing. Then we're given the detail that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Right? Again, Nicodemus is concerned about accusations of breaking the law. And so he's hedging his bets a little bit. If Jesus turns out to be a false prophet, if Jesus is a false messiah or something worse, then Nicodemus does not want to be seen with him. His reputation is at stake. And so Nicodemus is always concerned with doing the right thing, being seen as being righteous. And that's why Nicodemus comes to Jesus, because he's interested in doing the right thing and being better. He comes to Jesus and he calls him rabbi. He says to Jesus, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. In other words, Jesus, you do the things that make God see that. Now show us how to do the things that will make God happy. Teach us the secrets of all. Teach us what we need to do. Well, Jesus undercuts Nicodemus right away. 
He just absolutely slays Nicodemus and Nicodemus' way of thinking. Because Jesus says to him, you can't see the kingdom of God without being born again. So the Greek word here that's translated above can also be translated as again. Right? You can't see the kingdom of God without being born again or born above. Both translations are right. And so depending on the context, the word can be talking about space or time. So again, or above. Here, Jesus is playing with words, and he means both. No one will see the kingdom without being born again and being born from above. And right away, Nicodemus is confused. How can anyone be born again after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? To be born again is against the laws of nature. right? Your mom might really love you. She might do anything for you. But she most certainly cannot give birth to you again. So don't ask. She's not willing. Nicodemus, like all of us, though, is looking for a way to read the Bible and to find a way to make God pleased with us. Right? What can I do to earn God's favor? Do I need to follow a particular commandment? Do I have to be generous and kind? Is there a secret way to interpret the Bible that will make God accessible to me? What can I do? But Jesus quite clearly tells Nicodemus, there's nothing you can do. It's completely out of your control. It's impossible for you. You can't give birth to yourself. You can't make it happen. It's not something anyone can do for you. It's only something that God can do to you and for you. Right? Nicodemus wants a set of rules to follow. He wants the law. He wants a way to maintain control over his life and do all the things he needs to to earn his salvation and to enter the kingdom of God. And of course that makes sense. Nicodemus is a smart, thoughtful, successful man. He's made it in this world. But Jesus tells him here that he can't earn his way into the kingdom. God is going to have to give it to him. So Jesus tells him the new birth comes from the water and the spirit. Things that are outside of his control. And so Jesus says the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit will do what he wishes to do. He goes where he wants. That means you can't control him. You can't manipulate him. You can't win his favor. You have nothing to do with your salvation. It's all the work of God. And that's the message that pushes back against everything we think we know about how the world works. It shocks Nicodemus. Nicodemus' last words here, how can these things be? What do you mean that it's all the work of the Spirit? What do you mean there is nothing I can do to earn God's favor? What about all the laws in the Old Testament? What about all the good works that I have done? Don't those matter? And Jesus answers, no one has ascended to heaven except the one who descended. Nicodemus, you're not going to find a way to heaven through your efforts. You can't get there through following the law. Through following the law. It doesn't matter how much you pray, how well you follow the rules, how much success you have in this world, none of that will save you. Only the work of God is going to save you. Only the fact that the Spirit has chosen you will save you. 
And so we ask the question when we read this gospel, how do we approach Jesus Christ? Do you come to Jesus so that you can learn how to behave in such a way that will make God happy? Do you come to Jesus looking only for someone to teach you the things that will make you a happier, better person? If so, then you're coming to Jesus just as Nicodemus did. You're looking for something to do. And if your salvation is dependent on you doing something, you're not going to make it. In John 3, Jesus wants you to hear something else. He doesn't want you to hear that you need to do something. He doesn't want you to hear that you need to download an app to guide you in prayer to make you a better person. He doesn't want you to hear a list of rules that you have to follow because you don't. What Jesus wants is for you to hear that he has done something for you. He was lifted up on the cross for you. He has put an end to doing. And now he's given you a promise here. That's what Paul says in our reading from Romans. He gives you a promise. And that eternal life. And it's a gift. As St. Paul says, the promise rests on grace. That is, it's a gift to you. You can do nothing to earn it. Just as the promise and the word came to Abraham out of the blue. He did nothing to earn it. He didn't know God. He didn't believe in God. He wasn't following God. God's promise came to him seemingly out of the blue to Abraham. He didn't earn that promise. It was given to him as a gift. And so God as well gives you the promise. It's something he does for you. In the waters of your baptism, he gives you the gift of new birth. He does that for you and to you. God has united you to his son, and he has taken away your sins. And so the God who gives life to the dead calls into existence the things that do not exist. Likewise, God calls into existence your salvation. He calls into existence your forgiveness, and he calls into existence your identity as his child. He does that for you. You do not earn it. You cannot earn it. And so through the faith that he has given you, God has raised you from the dead. God has saved you apart from your works. Amen.
Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, your Son has shown your love to the world in his death and resurrection. Give to your people hearts to remember your gracious works and to proclaim your name in all things. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you promise us an inheritance not because of your law, but because of your promise to Abraham and to us. In your grace, nourish us in the faith unto eternal life. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you made your servant Abraham the father of us all through faith, and you have given all fathers the calling of Abraham to hand down the gospel of Christ. Fill their hearts with the words of Christ, and remember them according to your great mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, remember our nation and its leaders. Bless all who make and minister and judge our laws, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, and enable us to be good and responsible citizens. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Lord, be near to the sick, the suffering, and those who are troubled, especially Steve, Charlie, Jane, Marcel, Linda, Allison, Steve, Tony, John, Marilyn, Tony, Carolyn, Mark, and those who now grieve Leonard. Comfort them with your divine promises and grant healing according to your will. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, Nicodemus was led by the word of Jesus to the cross, and from the cross he received the body of Jesus. Grant us faith like his to trust your word and to receive Christ's body and blood in his sacrament for forgiveness, life, and salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, you give life to the dead and have united the faithful of all ages in the body of Christ. As you shelter all the saints in the arms of your mercy, 
So comfort us who await your final victory over death and the life of the world to come. Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, dear Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. It is indeed right our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast that renewed in the gift of baptism we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, 
with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting, and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember our Lord's Passover from death to life as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. Bless this feast and grace our table with your presence. Reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth burning with justice, peace, and love. With your holy ones of all times and places, with all the earth and all its creatures, with sun, moon, and stars, we praise you, O God, blessed and holy trinity, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
Congregation, please stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.